Praise God. Well, today's uh, title sermon, for those of you that are taking notes, is What Are You Thankful For? And I think that's pretty appropriate because this is the last Sunday before Thanksgiving. Who's excited about Thanksgiving? I just want to reiterate that um, if you do have extra pumpkin pie or anything, I wouldn't kid you about that. I know you can't tell, but I like pie. What can I say? So we're going to talk about what we should be thankful for. Not that I'm telling you what you need to be thankful for, but I'm going to give you a word. When I was in prayer, uh, I asked God what he would have me preach today. And it being the Thanksgiving season, and, and God being a decently in order to be God that he is, he said, well, preach on something about Thanksgiving, dummy. Right? Does God talk to y'all like that? Like the God I have, he's not like, oh. he's not all weird. He's like, straight enough, man. Anyway, so uh, I just got to ask myself the question, well, what is it that I am thankful for? So if you got your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. If you don't, it will be up on the board. We're going to get into the Word of God. I'm going to read seven verses, so y'all bear with me. And then we'll get into this and see what the Lord wants to do. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, beginning there. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this. That if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15 says, And he died for all, that those who should live, live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him this no longer. One of my favorite Bible verses right here, number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say that's me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, we're going to get into the meat of this and then we're going to pray. Verse 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses. This is the good news, church. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, this is a conjunction. It says, now then, since we know that right there, the good news I just talked about, verse 20 says, now then, now knowing this is what that's saying, we have to know that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. Say, that's me. That's me. That we be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Say, that's me. That's me. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're good to us. I thank you for this message of reconciliation that you give me today, Father God. I thank you for this church and this church family, not only in these four walls, but I thank you for the big C church, Father God, uh, all the way across the world, Lord. That you be acknowledged, that you be lifted on high, Father God, because it, it's all about bringing you glory. I ask that you help anoint me today, Father God. Anoint my tongue, your words already anointed, Father God, that I may be able to speak the word that you've given me, that I might go one minute longer than you would have me to go. But I wouldn't quit, Father God, till you have your point made today. Lord, we thank you today in this Thanksgiving season. We thank you for our little children that are going downstairs, that you've entrusted us with that. We thank you that you've invited us into your presence through praise and worship this morning, God. We ask that you have your way. We do this all in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And the church says, Amen. Amen. So like I said, when I was asking God for a Thanksgiving message and he showed me this, I asked myself, so what am I thankful for? And I'm so grateful for it. My great church family, I'm grateful for my beautiful wife and my children and my family, my in-laws and, and, and my outlaws too, right? right? I heard a joke. I don't believe this joke, but I'm going to share a little, a little funny with you, okay? I, I don't really stand on this. I don't believe it at all, but it's kind of funny. You, you, know, you know the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Outlaws are warning. 
Outlaws are wanted. <laughs> He's the one that told me the joke. Like I said, I don't, I don't believe it. I got the best mother-in-law and father-in-law in the world. Outlaws are wanted. He's the one that told me the joke. Ain't that awesome? But I was thinking about Thanksgiving. And there's where y'all little lights are going to have to shine. Like what he's talking about. There's going to not just in-laws are coming over, but some outlaws are coming too. I was just thinking about this message of reconciliation. The Lord took me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Out of everything that I'm grateful for, my children, my health, my church, my, like I said, my family, like a message of reconciliation. That is the most grateful thing, the most thankful thing that I believe any of us could be thankful for this Thanksgiving season. Every day should be a Thanksgiving season. For that, I understand we lose track of that sometimes, Joe. We get caught up in uh, ins and outs of everyday life, and we forget that the message of reconciliation is. So we see the word reconcile and reconciliation and reconciling numerous times from verse uh, seems like eighteen all the way down to twenty-one. So I want to give you a definition of what I'm thankful for in the message of reconciliation. The definition of reconcile is to reunite. You hear me? To reunite. The second one is to be made in good standings. An atonement paid and completed in full is the next one. In other words, a debt has been paid on your behalf. Amen. Come on, somebody. You know, some of y'all get those robocalls and some of y'all got some legitimate calls coming about a debt that you need to be reconciled. It needs to be reconciled that you owe. I guarantee you if you're running a uh, credit up there at Ace Hardware, you're running credit at Lowe's, and, and you don't reckon, so you don't come pay that payment, they're going to call you on the phone and say, you have an outstanding debt that needs to be paid. It needs to be reconciled immediately, right? Or further action is going to take place. This is what reconciliation is. What is it that reconciles us to Jesus? I don't want to talk about Lowe's today. I don't want to talk about worldly things. We're talking about the message of reconciliation concerning Christ Jesus our Lord. What reconciles us to the Father that Jesus gave? Come on, church. It's the precious blood of Jesus. Now listen to me. That is a dirty word today in some churches. That's a great place for an amen. If you don't want to talk about the blood of Jesus... I strongly advise you to find somewhere else to go because we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus in PG Fellowship. You're going to be offended all the time because it's about the blood and nothing else but me. Amen? Amen. So it's the blood of Jesus that reconciles us. I know that's not always a, a pretty painted unicorn cotton candy type message. But at the end of the day, there was nothing pretty other than the reconciliation that come out of the cross of Calvary. Does everyone understand that? We have forgotten the blood of Jesus. We've watered down and perverted the word of God by not talking about the blood of Jesus. I'm preaching better than y'all right then. I promise you that. What does the blood of Jesus do for us? We understand there's salvation found only through the precious blood of Jesus. We sing about it. We have, we have little quotes about it. But there's so much more that takes place. We talked about it in the discipleship class. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, there would be no healing in your bodies. There would be no healing in your minds. There would be no healing in your families, in your life. There's so much more that the blood brings than the get-out-of-hell-free card. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't look at one thing. The blood will wash you clean, not only of your wretched sin, but it will wash you clean of the life. That dead man has to die through the blood. The only way the dead man stays dead is through the blood. Amen. Listen to me. When you give your life to the Lord, the blood's applied to our life. I'm thankful for it today. When the blood's applied to mine in your life, what happens is no longer do you live, but Christ lives in you. Now when the Father sees you, he sees the Son because of the blood covered him, right? Amen. Do we understand that? Yep. It washes us clean. Look at uh, Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. I love talking about the blood of Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus that saved my soul, absolutely. But it was also the blood of Jesus that delivered me. 
Just because I gave my life to the Lord, my spirit was saved, but my flesh is still weak. Come on, come on. Marty, we're going to talk about me today. We ain't going to talk about nobody else. I say this. When you give your heart to God and the blood is applied to your life, your spirit's saved, but your flesh is never saved. How about that? Amen. Got you scratched your head? Till the day you die, your flesh is destined to go right back to the dirt where it came from. Your flesh is never saved. So not only does the blood save you, but it also sanctifies you. Go on, Come on. That's a process until the day you die as well. Come on. It cleanses us, sis. And that cleansing is a process. It's a process. It's a process. Ephesians 1. Verse 7, I'm going to read a couple verses. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. No other way can we be redeemed to the Father except through his blood. Amen. I don't care what Mickey Mouse church preachers telling you that there's got to be another way. And there's not another way. The word of God says we have redemption only through the precious blood of Jesus. Oh. It says it's his blood for the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of His grace. Not that we can do anything to earn that. Nothing that you do to earn the blood of Jesus. Listen to me. The only thing you brought to the cross was your filthy sin. Amen. I'm preaching better than all the faith in it. That's it. The only thing you brought to it, it was a, according to His grace, it says right here. Look at verse 8. Which He made, verse 8, which He made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Amen. He finds pleasure in applying the blood. He finds pleasure. That was God's will. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? For the blood to be the crimson blood to run all over you. Yeah. That's not a pretty picture to paint. But when he sees the blood and all of our filthiness, Jay, and all of our stuff, Mr. Shaw, and all of our wretchedness, we can be as holy as we think we are, but without the blood, we're headed to a sinner's hell. Oh. Amen. Amen. Amen? You can't be good enough to come to the cross. Right. you got to have the blood. I'm thankful today for the blood. It not only saved my soul, but it delivered me. Listen, can you imagine being in a courtroom and the accuser of the brother, he's your prosecutor, the devil, Satan, Lucifer. He's as real as Jesus is. Amen. Another part that we've done is we've dumbed down what the Bible says about hell, about sin. We've made it okay and people get offended when you talk about it because most of them are living in a sinful, active life and you're calling them out on something. It's not me calling it out. It's the Word of God oh, is calling you out. Wow. Amen? So we, we have the accuser over here. And, and we got, let me get to somebody. Come here, come here, brother. I'm going to put you on trial today. Come on. Demarius, right? Demarius. Demarius is on trial, okay? Stand up there, Demarius. Demarius is really not on trial. Demarius is our friend. And you got the accuser of the brother on this side. You got the enemy just, just pointing his finger. Although Demarius is a, a loving husband and a great father and an awesome son-in-law, right? I'm four son-in-laws, by the way. But the accuser's over here saying uh, to the judge who's up there on the throne, he's saying, but Demarius, you don't know. Let me tell you what he's done. Let me tell you everything that he's done and hidden it in secret. Because one day, Demarius went to the altar and he asked Jesus Christ to be not just his Savior, but his Lord and Master. All of a sudden, the advocate will call him Jesus, right? This is my holy section over here. So, I'll be Jesus. so Jesus says, so the judge looks at the, the, the uh, what am I looking for? The word I'm looking for now? The defendant's uh, representation. And Jesus says, but he's got the blood, Your Honor. He's got the blood. So when the judge looks at the Marius, look at me, the Marius. <laughs> when the judge says, look at you, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> <a> personal experience. <laughs> uh, just say Try doing this. So what happens is the judge 
Instead of taking the word of the accusations that are made from the enemy, he takes the word of the advocate. And the advocate, Jesus is our advocate, so no longer, okay, y'all give it up for the marriage. Say John's been to this church and they got put on trial. <laughs> Make sure they die today because they're not coming back. <laughs> so instead of looking at Demarius now, because the blood of the advocate, the representation of Jesus Christ has been placed upon him, the judge no longer sees us. They see Jesus. Oh, that's how important the blood is. Hallelujah. It cleanses us clean. Go to 1 John chapter 1 real quick. And I'll go to my next point. 1 John chapter 1. I'm just going to read it right here. Yes, John. Oh, John. Rob. 1 John chapter 1. Starting at verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him. And we declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all, it says. What does all mean, church? All means all. It says there's no darkness in him at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, but yet we walk in darkness, it says we're a liar and the truth ain't in you. Amen. Let me tell you something, church. Listen to me right now. This is not in the notes. If you say you're a Christian and you walk in darkness, you're a liar. Is what the word of God just said. You think we don't need an advocate? You think we don't need someone to represent us? Because we're not we're we're good at lying about being a Christian. I'm not saying you haven't given your heart to God, but what I'm saying is your motives behind your lifestyle, you can be living a lie, and you're gonna need Jesus on that day because it's gonna be shown to us according to the word of God. Right? The advocate's gonna stand up and he's gonna say, This is me, not her. We just discussed that. But the word says right here in 1 John chapter 5 that if we say that we have fellowship with Jesus Christ, but we walk in darkness, we're a liar, the truth ain't in us. But here's the good news if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, not the light that we made ourselves, not the artificial light uh, that the church has made, that it's okay to walk in a little bit of darkness. Come on, somebody. I love no one's talking about the blood because they talk about the blood, they got to talk about these subjects. Right? Amen. No darkness. Zilch. Well, that's impossible for us, but it's not for him. Oh, that's why we have to have the blood. That's why we have to talk about the blood. We have to talk about the advocate we have. Where sin reigns, where grace reigns, and we continue to sin, Paul says, absolutely not. But when we do, we have an advocate in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Let me go on and read the second part of this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. Amen. Oh, what's that about? Come on. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us all from sin. Now we're talking about not only does the blood get us out of hell, not only does the blood sanctify us, man, the blood will also unify us. Come on, somebody. You know why churches are playing golf instead of baseball? Let me tell you this. We all need to be on the same team. Right? If I don't have a good pitcher, it don't matter how good my shortstop is, right? We got to play in unison. We got to be unified as a football team. I know none of y'all want to talk about football right now, but some of y'all stayed up late last night. <laughs> right? Do we need to stay there for a minute? Huh? I will say this. We can only go on the Word of God, and the Word of God says that Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. <laughs> Amen. I forgot where I was at now, boy. What was I talking about? Unity. Unity, okay. So let's get back to it. So it says that if, if we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So not only does the blood give us salvation and sanctifies us, but it unifies us. We're talking about a team again. 
If I don't have someone blocking, then my quarterback can't throw the ball. It's all about that game again. But we got to work as one unit. If you look at a good, well-oiled football team, not only when they stay hut, the offensive line, they have a position to block, they have a gap to protect, but not only that, you'll see that all their left feet will move at the same time. Or their right foot, or they'll all step back with the right. Everything's in unison. It's unified. Are you understand what I'm saying? The blood will unify the people of God. The problem is we got too many churches are playing golf, keeping their own score. Wow. Instead of being on the team. It's because we preach the blood. And we still believe the whole Bible. From Genesis all the way to Max. Amen. It will keep us unified. Another thing the blood does. It cleanses us. But the blood will give you your identity. Come on. If the old person has died, the enemy will try to remind you of who that person was. Can I get real today? Saturday night's about 9 o'clock. My wife will tell you I start getting fidgety. I start getting real fidgety. And bless her heart, she's, she's ready to go to bed, and I'm just fidgety. I, I can be watching television or reading or, you know, kids or whatever. And I'm just, I get fidgety because the enemy starts telling me that I'm still that old man. I'm the only one, right? He starts telling me that, you know, you got the church in pretty good shape. Why don't you go ahead and just call in sick tomorrow because you're going to look like a fool up there. You're going to be a stuttering idiot like you used to be. So he's trying to take that dead man that was buried. And he's trying to dig him up, right? He's trying to rob me of my identity. See, the blood of Jesus gave me my identity, not who the dead man was. Amen? The blood of Jesus gives you your identity. Some stuff that you did in the past ain't who you are. It's just what you did. Come on. You know what I'm saying? See, my identity is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. The definition for identity for you guys, I'm going to take a picture of it, write it down, whatever you want to do, is this. The blood identifies us. It's the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. Number two is the one I like. The fact it says of being who or what a person or thing is. Your identity is exactly who you are. Now, how you find your identity is 100% upon you. I can tell you this. Your identity is not found in the opposite sex. Come on. Your identity is not found in the same sex. Come on, somebody. Your identity is not found in money. Your identity is not found in status. Your identity is not found in how many Facebook followers you got, likes and shares. Amen. Your identity is found only in the Christ, in Christ and His blood. That's it. That's where your identity is found. First Peter, let's go there real quick for the sake of time. I'll read it off the board. This is your identity. I don't care how much time you've done, how many times you've been divorced, how many times you've dropped the ball, what you drank, what you smoked, what you stole. I don't care what you lied about. I don't care about what you stole. Listen to me. If you've got the blood of Jesus, you are a chosen generation is what the Word of God says. Amen. Amen. It says you are part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are His own special people. I'm here to tell you, sis, you are the apple of His eye. Is what that's saying right there. I don't care what you did. That person's dead. Behold, the new has come. It says this right here. That you are his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous Who I am, what I'm made of, the fact of being 
who I am or what I am. If it's found in the precious blood of Jesus, then, the, then what trickles down, what flows out of that, knowing who I am, I know what my marriage looks like. Come on, it's through the blood of Jesus. Because I know who I am. I know what my marriage looks like. I know what raising a kid looks like. Come on. There needs to be a father and a mother. I can tell you that right now. God ordained that for your life. Because I know my identity is found only in Christ Jesus and not your opinion of me or my work performance over here. I know who I am and it's on a solid foundation that not only is, is my identity good, my marriage is good, my children are good. Now we're going to have problems through every bit of that. I get it. But at the end of the day, knowing who you are in Christ is your identity. Amen. It comes through the precious blood of Jesus and nothing else. How many millionaires and billionaires do you know? You've read about, I know millionaires right now that I've talked to to say, I am absolutely miserable. They can, they can keep this building warm for two or three days by burning $100 bills, but they're miserable. We think that next great thing, right? Y'all heard me say it, or maybe maybe y'all haven't heard me say it, but everyone thinks the grass is greener on the other side. Instead of really searching out who God called you to be. We need husbands. We need fathers. We're worried about prestige. We're worried about status. Why don't we just start with being a godly husband and a godly father, church? And it does. It's That's the way God designed it. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 said it. You're a royal priesthood. I don't care what happened to you. I do care what happened to you. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't. We, your identity's not found in what happened to you as a kid. Amen. Your identity is not found in, in the fact that mama left or daddy left. That's not who you are. It's just something that happened. Your identity is found in knowing that Jesus says you are his own special person. The blood causes intimacy. There's intimacy found in the blood. And no one wants to talk about that. Amen. It's through the blood that we can crawl up in daddy's lap. Although I was orphaned as a child, or, or I was abused as a child in so many different ways, because of the blood of Jesus, I can crawl up in daddy's lap. I picture like I do my kid. Kind of, he rubs my head a little bit, messes up my hair for a little bit. Like He's washing and proud of his son. You know who your daddy is. Do you know who your daddy is? That's the question I have for those watching online. Do you know who your daddy is? Because your identity is found in that. And it comes through the precious blood of Jesus. My last point, we'll move on. Not only does the blood give us our identity, but it allows us to be ambassadors for Christ. I want to tell people who my daddy is. Right? I don't want to hide it under the rock. Oh. Come on! As being part of a royal priesthood, as we just read, as being a peculiar person, God's special, own special people, the apple in God's eyes, how I gave you the, the example for. By knowing that I'm washed and covered in the blood of Jesus and I'm being all I can for Jesus, I want to encourage other people and tell them about my daddy too. We are ambassadors for Christ through the message of reconciliation. Are we thankful for that today, church? Yeah, Amen. Are we thankful that God didn't only just save you, sealed you, waiting to deliver you, but he also delivered you and redeemed you? Did he do it for you to sit on your derriere and not tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. Ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians, we'll go right back to our beginning uh, chapter, verse 5. Look at 19 and 20. I got to get there too. Verse 19, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Now all things, that's 18, I'm sorry. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. It has commuted to, the, to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, so that's that conjunction that I talked about. The now then brings what I just said into what I'm fixing to say. If you understand the message of reconciliation, that he talked about all things are of God, this is verse 18. 
who has reconciled us to him through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he goes on to say that uh, not imputing your trust. If you understand every bit of that, then verse 20 says, now that you understand that, it's bringing those together. Now that you understand the message of reconciliation, you know, he comes through the blood of Jesus. Well, what's happening? Paul's telling the church according to here. Now that you understand that, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ Jesus, if you understand that. Yeah. There's not a question mark there. There's no uh, a doubt. There's no wavering. There's no maybe. It says if you are saved by the blood of Jesus, you should be an ambassador of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. What does that look like? What does it look like to be an ambassador? As an authorized messenger, give the definition up there, Roth. Did I give you that? To be an ambassador means to be an authorized messenger. By the blood of Jesus, you have been authorized. You know those little notary seals and these little seals they put on important documents? When you get the blood of Jesus, you're sealed. You're authorized to be an ambassador, a messenger. Who can speak with the authority of Jesus Christ. You're authorizing to become a child of God. It's an authorized messenger. Go back and read that again. I'm going to read it one more time starting at 19. Using that definition. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are authorized messengers for Christ Jesus. You see what it says now? Now then, it says, we are authorized messengers for Christ Jesus. As though God was pleading through you and me, we employ you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled. That changes the whole look of that, of that passage for me. So now that I understand that I'm reconciled, you know the message of reconciliation, imagine this. And if you guys want to come up or what we, whatever we're doing today. Imagine the message of reconciliation. You got this chasm that distance is so far from one end to the other. And we'll call that that cliff, that mountain, the top of that side of the chasm is God, is Jesus. And way down here, excuse me, Joe. And way down here is you. And there's nothing you can do to bring those two together. You are separated as far as you can get from God. I don't care how many days you spent in church. I don't, I don't care how many people told you to saved. I don't care what granny did for you. I don't care if you was baptized in water 16 times. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can bring that chasm together. That's the message of reconciliation. That's the message of reconciliation. It makes us ambassadors for Christ. That's why I get up here and do what I do. That's why we go do what we do. That's why we do it. I tell you guys, go ahead. I tell you guys all the time that ministry is right where you're at. You don't have to be behind a pulpit. You don't have to be behind a teaching guest or a guitar or a piano. If that's your gift, praise God. But your ministry is right where you're at. There's going to be people. We're going to be ambassadors for Jesus. You listen to me. If you ain't heard nothing all day, please hear this right here. If you're going to be an ambassador for Christ, and it says that we are authorized messengers if we've been reconciled, there's no option in doing it or not doing it. Right? Now listen to me. It's the Thanksgiving season, right? Those in-laws and outlaws and those uncles and aunts and cousins that are coming over, there's going to be people that you eat dinner with on Thursday, and if they die, they must stay a while over. This is one of the rubber meets the road. If they died, they would bust hell wide open. You know it, and they know it. Are we going to be ambassadors for Christ? Are we going to start praying today and say, Lord, give me the words? Are we going to be kicking the old can saying, man, I am dreading this. Old cousin Junior. Everyone's got that one on right? Funny, or he's, you know he's going to be going out to the car. Come on, y'all got that uncle too. Or that cousin that you don't know what's subject to happen. It never goes good at holidays. 
And we can go into it trending, or we can go into it with an opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. And there's something about, hey, uncle, hey, uncle, or hey, cousin, let me talk to you for a minute. That right there takes boldness. It's easy to handle the mashed potatoes. And when you go to the funeral, they wonder, did he, did he go to heaven or hell? You had the opportunity come Thanksgiving. You had the opportunity. But because you don't like him, because of what he done to Granny, or maybe he done something to you back years ago, you won't be an ambassador for Christ. Y'all are thinking about that uncle cousin right now. I used to be that cousin. Woo! With the message of reconciliation. Amen. I used to be that cousin that when I came over, the ladies locked their purses in the car, locked the keys in the car. I mean, Houston's coming. But because I stepped out, got out of my comfort zone, and got into the comforter zone, now they want me to pray for them. Because people don't go to hell, we're going to handle mashed potatoes. We're going to handle turkey and dressing. We're not going to tell them about Jesus. That's not being an ambassador of Christ. That's what the blood of Jesus does. Amen? Amen. Are y'all with me? Yes. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you in so many ways. It will give you identity. And it will cause you to be an ambassador for Christ. You'll be a nut for Jesus. You'll be that weird cousin again here in a little while. <laughs> like, now that boy's going to preach. Don't, don't let you lack a prayer life in a fear of what's eating, preacher. Just go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Let's get the food, right? Amen. There's so much more for the get out of hell free call. I want to talk about the blood. And I can go, I can talk, I can close the Bible and get the stand out of the way. We can stay here for weeks. Because as good as things are in my home, as good as things are in my life, my health, my finances, ministry. Apart from the grace of God, I'm a drug addict. But the blood of Jesus, thank God, is what I'm thankful for today. It's the blood of Jesus. So if you want special prayer today, we'll dismiss. We're going to have prayer right here. Real quick, anyone in the sound of my voice, if you're not 100% sure, that you're covered in the blood of Jesus today. If you didn't make it to Thanksgiving, you're not 100% sure. Today's the day of salvation for you. Today's the day that He puts the blood on you. It's a simple process. If you're not sure, 100% sure, that if He died today, you would hear welcome in to very faithful servant. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real quick. Anybody across the room? Hallelujah, sis. Hallelujah. Come here, honey. This is what it's about. I don't like putting people on the spot, but it ain't me putting people on the spot. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in front of people, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. So all that ever, ever head bowed, ever eye closed, I don't roll like that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
that when you was a child that a preacher told you you were saved because you repeated something and you got baptized in water. But that spirit that bears truth with your spirit isn't saying that to you right now. Now maybe you was once saved but you've been in a backslidden state. I got news for you, church. There's two types of Christians. Number one, those are for being an ambassador for Christ. Those that are advancing the gospel by telling people about Jesus. And the other one's a backslider. Pretty harsh, preacher. Either you're moving this way or you're moving that way. Maybe you felt so secure at one time. I just want to stay here for a minute. Maybe you felt so secure at one time about who you was in Christ. You knew your identity. You knew you had been washed. You was an ambassador for Christ. The things started happening. Work got busy. Pressures of life started caving in. There was death in the family. There was sickness. And I just got away from spending that time, that intimate time of crawling up in the daddy's lap. I just feel so separated that my prayers seem like they're getting no higher in the ceiling when I do pray. And I'm not sure that at one time I could have told that cousin that's coming to Thanksgiving about Jesus. But I feel so separated now, I'm not sure if I can. If that's you, can you raise your hand right now? i 
You know what the enemy of good is? Great. You know what the enemy of great is? Good. God never called you to be good. He called you to be great, church. Amen. All hearts and minds clear? Remember, uh, in the announcements, we will not be having Bible study and uh, in-depth Bible study and prayer tonight. That's every other Sunday night, so we'll pick it back up next Sunday. Our Thanksgiving meals tomorrow. Don't forget that if you signed up for that or whatever it may be. Um, again, we'll have special prayer right over here. If you need any particular prayer needs, uh, we're going to meet try to try to help you meet those. Uh, other than that, is all hearts and minds clear? Everybody good? Did we have church today? Give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy, Father. You're worthy. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, God, that, you know, a little while ago we asked you to show up and show out, Father God, and I believe wholeheartedly that everything that took place here today was biblical, and I believe that it was of your will, Father God. I thank you, Lord, uh, that you use us in such a way, Lord, that you bring us so much more than just salvation through your blood, but our identity, Father God, you cleanse us of everything else, then you allow us to be ambassadors, authorized messengers. For your sake, Father God, be with us through this Thanksgiving season. People will be traveling uh, to and fro, Father God. Give us the boldness and the courage, Father God, to tell somebody, one of those relatives, loved ones, friends that we'll encounter through the Thanksgiving season, give them the opportunity for them to know you as we know you. as so much more than a Savior, but Lord and Master. We love you and praise you. We do it all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the church says... Amen.